The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I'd like to return to John chapter 1 this evening, John chapter 1, and we'd like to look at verses 14 through 18. John chapter 1 and in verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom... I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So here in John chapter 1, we've been introduced to the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In this Word was life and the light of men. This Word was also the true light that came down, that lighteth every man in the world. And then the Apostle John here, through the Holy Spirit, connects the Word with Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Okay? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's, it's true, as uh, we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, that truly great is the mystery of godliness. It's just amazing that Jesus Christ was truly God manifest in the flesh. In Him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That same Word that was in the beginning was made a man and dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally means to tabernacle, to yeah. set up a tent. And for a brief period of time, he set up a tabernacle for 33 and a half years here on this earth. He dwelt among us. The Apostle John said in 1 John, you don't have to turn here, but I want to highlight this language real quickly. 1 John he said, this was from the beginning which we have heard. And this, this word, this word of life, he introduces him at the latter half of verse 1 right here. This word that was God, we have seen with our own eyes. And we've looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and that was manifested unto us. So this word dwelt among us and we heard him speak. We heard the voice of God. We touched him. We fellowshiped with him. He, he even washed our feet on the night before his crucifixion. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. John was one of those three that were on the Mount of Transfiguration that saw Jesus transfigured and saw him uh, glistering and and seeing him in what will be a, a foreshadowing of the fullness of his glory at his second coming. 
we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. <clears throat> Later in John, John chapter 17, in Jesus' prayer unto God, um, right before he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, he says in the middle of that prayer, John chapter 17, <clears throat> And verse 22, the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Now that's something, isn't it? Yeah. He goes on to say, I just have a hard time reading in John chapter 17 without reading these verses because they just do my heart good. In verse 23, I in them and thou in me that they may be perfect in one and the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as... Thou hast loved me. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, For thou lovest me before the foundation of the Lord. That's just an amazing thing to meditate on. If you're ever having a bad day, right? <laughs> if you're ever struggling, just take a minute and meditate on these verses that God loves us in the same manner to the same degree that he loves our elder brother Jesus Christ. Amen. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. And I don't know what all that means, but that's just real good. Okay? <laughs> the glory, uh, the, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that description of Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. It's one of the reasons we need to spend a lot of times in the Gospels. Amen. Because we see the manifestation of Jesus Christ's grace and truth in his life. And, and he, he is the perfect, uh, perfect combination of both grace and truth. Because grace Amen. is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. But here in this world, sometimes it's difficult for us to have the right balance between, you know, we want to show grace to someone, but we also have to uphold truth. You know, sometimes you can be a little bit too, uh, too gracious, maybe, and maybe compromise some things. It's kind of hard to balance those two. But Jesus Christ perfectly balanced, showing compassion and grace and unmerited favor to so many different people. But boy, he spoke the truth. And, and, right. and you know... Sometimes speaking the truth in love is not always what we perceive to be nice. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, you know, Jesus Christ, perfectly all love, all truth, he was speaking the truth in love when he called those Pharisees whited sepulchers. Right? right? Uh, now, obviously, we're not God. We're not God manifesting the flesh, and your, your tongue is probably not going to be as skillful as his is to, to draw that line perfectly. Right? You don't have the right to go around calling anybody whited sepulchers as brother joe has told us we have no right to call any man common or unclean but he was the perfect combination of both grace and truth and he's our he's our pattern to follow after i mean i hope that that we can follow his pattern of of charity and compassion and grace and unmerited favor but also at the same time not compromising biblical principles and truth and that truth is found in the Word of God, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then God's Word is also truth. John chapter 17. 
Jesus uh, is the full expression of grace. God is described as being the God of all grace, 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse 10. Again, the perfect combination of both grace and truth. Verse 15, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I wonder what the interaction was between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ when they were kids growing up, right? Because there was a period of time prior to his public manifestation um, by his first miracle at the, the wedding in Cana of turning the water to wine. That's when his public ministry was manifested. He was baptized and then his public ministry. <clears throat> but John the Baptist knew who Jesus Christ was when he left for joy in the womb of his mother. So, you know, things were kind of concealed for 30 years. Mary knew some things. She pondered them in her, in her heart. Her, the, the immediate family, Elizabeth, knew some things. John knew some things. But there wasn't a lot of people who really knew who Jesus Christ was prior to age 30, except for John the Baptist, you know? And I kind of wonder what those conversations between when they went to visit cousins, right? Over the summer. What were the conversations like between John the Baptist when they were 12, right? Uh, because, like I said, he was about the only person, Mary, Elizabeth, uh, Joseph, his dad, and then, and then John was really about the only people who had this advanced knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. And even though he interacted with him as his cousin, he understood the whole time that, first of all, he that cometh after me is preferred before me. He says later, later on, he must, de he must increase and I must decrease. But also, he says here, for he was before me. Now, we know that John the Baptist was at least six months older than Jesus Christ by birth, right? Based on the chronology there in the Gospel of Luke. But yet, John the Baptist understood that he was before him. Why? Because he was the eternal Word of God, right? He was the eternal Son of God. And he understood that. He understood that he was the eternal Son of God. And he was before me, and he also understood his ministry. We're going to focus on John the Baptist a little bit later in, in the coming chapters. But I think it's very good for us to always have a, a self-awareness of where we fit in the big puzzle of the kingdom, right? And uh, the Apostle Paul said, look, I just want to serve in the measure that I've been called to serve. I don't boast of things beyond my measure. It's not my responsibility to, to do other people's jobs or, or meddle in other people's business. I'm just going to serve in the measure that I've been given. And it's a great blessing to have clarity and wisdom to know what your measure is Amen. and then be content to serve in that measure. Uh, is there anyone that was more content in their measure than John the Baptist? Mm -hmm. Because there came a time where his apostles, his disciples, were getting all, all concerned there in John chapter 3 because we used to have this big following and we were very popular among the people. Everyone was coming out to, to see us out by the River Jordan. And I don't know why this man that is preaching 
repentance and calling people vipers and dress really weird and eating really weird. And then he's dunking people in water. You know, people wanted to come out and see that, right? That was, that was a really unique scene in first century Judea. So they had a big following. And you know, no doubt the disciples of John the Baptist, they kind of liked that, right? They, they, right. they liked being on the cutting edge and, and notoriety and all this. And then all of a sudden, the people are leaving us and now they're following Jesus. And John the Baptist said, well, good. I must be doing my job right. <laughs> if they're leaving us, if they're leaving following me to follow him, then I'm doing my job right. What, what, a, what a blessed humility and contentment to serve in the calling that he had been called unto, right? Amen. John bear witness of him. And, and then he's the one who had the blessed privilege of not just baptizing him, but pointing him out and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. He was before me. And of his fullness, of the fullness of grace and truth, we have received grace for grace. Grace for grace. <clears throat> it's a great blessing that God is no doubt the God of all grace. It describes him in places as being rich in mercy, rich in love. And he is rich in unmerited favor, right? Yeah. And that's really good news for sinners, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's really good news for me. Grace for grace. I'll highlight a couple verses that describe this grace on top of grace. That's just what God does for us in our life, isn't it? Amen. He gives us grace, and we're thankful for that. But God's just so good, he gives us grace on top of grace, on top of grace, on top of grace. He gives us grace for grace. James chapter 4 and in verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now he gives grace to all of his people. One of the ways that you can have grace upon top of grace, this abounding grace, is not walking in pride, but walking in humility. And when we voluntarily humble ourselves, God will give you more grace. And I don't know of any any of us that would say that we are uh, we've got all the grace that we need, right? No, we need we need heaps and heaps of grace every single day. Romans chapter five. And in verse 20, moreover, the law entered. Now we're going to come back to that contrast between law and grace there in John chapter 1. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, right? Aren't you glad for the the consuming, abounding power of grace that just consumes sin, right? Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In Ephesians chapter 1, it describes after the choosing of election and predestination, it describes the riches of God's grace toward us. We're rich in grace. We're rich in grace. God's grace is sufficient for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, my grace is sufficient. And then the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I labored more abundantly than they all.
His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So I received grace in eternity. God showed unmerited favor upon us in that sense. And also when God borns us again, that's described as the grace of God appearing to us. So we have grace that appears to us in regeneration and in the new birth. And that is sufficient to the, the works of regeneration and the works of the new birth are sufficient to prepare our soul to be fit for heaven. But God is not required to give us all of these daily providential graces, right? He could have shown that grace to us in regeneration. And then our soul is fit for heaven. And then after that, he could, if this is not his character because he's the God of all grace, but he could have been more of a deistic God and just, okay, I'm going to born them again. I'm going to manifest my grace in their soul, but then I'm just going to remove myself from the rest of their life. Well, God doesn't do that, right? No, he gives us grace for grace, right? He gives us more grace and, and he just gives us providential blessings every single day that we do not deserve. Unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But God manifests those providential blessings to us. And even when we, God gives us a zeal and he gives us a spirit and we have a desire to serve him, but we can't even fully take credit for all of the hopefully zealous labor that we are uh, partaking in in the kingdom. Paul said, yes, I've labored more abundantly than they all. But I didn't even really do that because the only reason that I was able to do it because of the, was because of the unmerited favor of God that was bestowed upon me. I can't even take credit for that. You see? Why? Because it's unmerited favor. God's strengthening and allowing us to have the, the zeal and the desire and the focus and the wisdom and then just the ability to accomplish tasks in the kingdom those are things we don't deserve. Amen. You see? He said, I can't do anything in and of myself. And if I do anything profitable for the kingdom, what it really is, is God's grace working in and through me. Right? Uh, he's the God of all grace. Think about this. God's described as being love. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the love of God resides inside of us and then it's our calling to work out what God's worked in, right? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're supposed to work out what God's worked in. Well, also, the character of the God of all grace is residing inside of us. So that means, that means that we have this perfect balance and this perfect combination of grace and truth residing in our soul. It's sitting in there. Our calling is to work out what God's worked in, right? Our calling is to work out grace and truth. Amen. Grace and truth. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, if, if I do good things in the kingdom, I can't even really take full credit for what I'm doing because I'm only working out the grace that God put in me that I don't deserve that it was in there to start with. <laughs> you see? That's why he's not even taking credit for his zealous labors in the kingdom. And I certainly hope that the Lord will give us that same perspective 
to understand that we can't take credit for it either. It's solely the grace of God working in and through us, regardless of any activity that we have in the kingdom. Of His fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ perfectly embodies grace and truth. We have in the New Testament the depiction of now this New Testament kingdom is not based primarily on the Old Testament law. Instead, it's based on grace, but also what balances and calibrates that grace? Truth, right? And we say very often that we are not under the law, we're under grace, right? That's why in so many areas of practice, we believe that the appropriate Standard is set in the New Testament scriptures, not necessarily in the Old Testament scriptures. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. The law was good in its own right. It was for a specific purpose, and the specific purpose of it was primarily showing us how far short we fall to show the need for grace. (laughs) So the law was good and right and appropriate in its time. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled the whole law to a jot and to a tittle. And Jesus said during his ministry that, listen, you cannot put new wine in old wine skins at that day. But in our mind, we can think about wine bottles, but wine skins, you can't put the new wine in the old wineskins because that new wine is going to bust the old wineskins. And it's so interesting, this this deep Jewish um, heritage that so many of these New Testament Christians had. And boy, they really struggled with that concept, right? They really struggled with the fact that the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so many of them tried to put grace in those old wineskins of the law. And they tried to say, listen, you got to be circumcised. You got to obey the law. You have to do, you have to obey these Sabbath days. You have to do all of these Old Testament requirements. And they're trying to put grace, abounding, expanding grace under in the confines of the law. You want to know what happens when you put grace and you try to put it in the old wineskin of the law? It blows up the law, right? Why? Because, praise God, grace has conquered the law. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that's, that's the only hope we, we have of salvation is that grace conquered the law. Amen. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament, and certainly the New Testament as well, Jesus says, uh, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but there they would testify of me. And if, t- and if Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth, that means 
The scriptures are full of grace and truth. Would you want to know what Jesus said when he says search the scriptures? He was speaking primarily to the Pharisees who were trying to use the law as a yoke of bondage of other people. So, and we've been trying to consider that on the radio, going through Jesus Christ in the law. But I think if you connect those two dots right there, we may view the Old Testament. We may, may view um, those books of the law as very cold, legalistic requirements. But actually, they testify of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. And actually, when we read those, our perspective in reading that should not be legalism. Our perspective in, in reading that should be grace and truth, Amen. right? Because the Old Testament, boy, it was all about truth. <laughs> what I tell you, there wasn't a lot of grace in the Old Testament law, right? I feel so sorry for that guy. I say this with all the reverence that I, that I can. I feel so sorry for that guy who was picking up sticks that got killed on the Sabbath. I mean, that's, that's tough, right? I mean, there's not a lot of grace in that. I mean, you make a mistake, you get killed. That's the Old Testament law. <laughs> I mean, that's tough. There's not a lot of grace and unmerited favor. No, no, no. There's not a lot of mercy either. Mercy is, is giving you, not giving you what you do deserve. No. <laughs> the Old Testament law was all about uh, consequences and reaping what you've sown. If you mess up, you die. That's, that's the majority of the law. But our perspective, looking back at that law, is that now we can see the grace of Jesus Christ all throughout that. Amen. Right? And that's one of the things as we go, continue to go through that on the radio, focusing on Jesus Christ and the law. Some people, especially those people there in that day, would look at the, the stringent requirements of the law and they would feel a burden. But instead, we can look back on that through the lens of the cross and through the lens of grace and truth. And we can look back on that law and see Jesus Christ paying the penalty for that. Right? For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. And that's the last verse of this prologue, and then it shifts to John the Baptist and the ministry of of Jesus Christ. He's introduced the Word. He's connected the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us all the way back to before the foundation of the world when this Word created all things that's in the world. Okay? And now, this same Word, this same God, has now been manifested here in this world to where now we have the ability through Jesus Christ to see the image of the invisible God. Okay, no man sees, seen God at any time. And this just tells you how much God, how much Christ had to condescend and humiliate himself to not just destroy this earth at his first coming. That's what he's going to do at his second coming. Okay, The fullness of his glory is going to be manifested. And just the fullness of his glory is going to 
melt the elements with fervent heat. Okay? That's what's going to happen at the second coming. But no man, God told Moses in the Old Testament, you can't look at me and live. You will be consumed if you see the fullness of my glory. So this tells you how much Jesus had to set aside the fullness of his glory. Now understand, he was still fully God, fully uh, all, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but he had to set aside the fullness of his glory so this world would not be, so Mary's womb would not be consumed, right? Yeah. This whole world would not be consumed when he was born in that manger in Bethlehem. Because no man can see God at any time, but this God took on, upon himself the form of a man to where he could interact with men for 33 and a half years and because he did that we could see the image of God okay Um, if you remember when we talked about we introduced the word the word is a tangible expression of an invisible thought okay a tangible expression of an invisible thought. So, God was fully God all the way in the Old Testament, right? He spoke to people. He had angels interacting. You have these various uh, probably appearances of the Son of God in the Old Testament here and there sprinkled throughout. But no man had saw God all throughout the Old Testament, right? He had concealed himself in that way. But now, men can see God. And it was Jesus Christ. And let's not lose sight of the main premise of the Gospel of John. Chapter 20 and in verse 31, that you will see and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God And that by believing, you may have life through his name. So he's saying, look, you may feel like that you have no ability to reach out and touch and taste the invisible living God, Jehovah God. And there's a very real sense in which that's true. But understand, Jesus came into this world and now we have the ability to see something that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Now, you want to know what's really amazing? We may feel like that we have the short end of the stick because we had not had the ability to, to touch the physical being of the Son of Man when he was uh, here on this earth. But Jesus said, when I go, I go away, I am, I'm going to send another comforter that's like unto me. Now, the way that we see God through the Holy Spirit today in the New Testament kingdom is different than when Jesus was physically here on this earth as a man. But you understand, right, that through the Holy Spirit, we have the same ability to feel and to see and to touch. It it describes some people, unfortunately, these are some people that squandered the blessings that they had. But here in Hebrews chapter 6, it says it was impossible for those who were once enlightened that have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers 
of the Holy Ghost and tasted the good word of the Lord and tasted the powers of the world. How do you how do you taste that through the Holy Ghost, right through the Holy Spirit? And we have the ability to see God in the in the same way today through the Holy Spirit that they saw Jesus Christ as a man physically. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son of the Father, which is in the bosom of the Father, and He hath declared Him. God the Father, especially when He was baptized, He, he publicly professed and manifested who He was all along, right? He was always the Son of God. But when He was baptized, it was manifested publicly that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it's just beautiful to see these pictures of Christ that we have, especially in the Gospel of John. So as we continue that, as we continue, uh, Lord willing, we're probably going to be in here a long time. I'm not in a hurry. Amen. I'm not in a hurry. Okay, so y'all just... Be, be be reading, be studying, you know. We're probably going to be in John for a while. Because this is our vantage point into the invisible God. He is the express image of God's person. This is God. And this, and this uh, particular gospel focuses so heavily on the messages and the sermons and the miracles of that are not necessarily in those other three synoptic gospels that manifest his deity beyond a shadow of a doubt. We can see God, see Christ as the eternal Son of God, as the eternal Word in the Gospel of John, full of grace and truth. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.